Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums, such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, or the Schomburg, or the Library of Congress's Folklife Museum. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak to my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. In fact, we still have our family's slave name, which is Killebrew. My dad, Dr. Terrence Killebrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School in New York when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. And I'm a fourth generation teacher. So my mother is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher on the island of Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York for 20 years. My great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. She stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to continue working in the late 1800s. And ironically, my mother began teaching long after she got married in the late 1900s. So, without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. Hello, I am Jerome A. Parker. Um, I'm from the Bronx, um, and now I live in Brooklyn. And do you identify as Black or African American, or how do you identify? I identify as Black, um, and specifically Black American. And what would you like to share about your ancestry? I have uh, um, Native American ancestry on both sides that I know nothing about. Um, uh, and now that all these uh, liberal institutions are starting to, uh, I guess, honor um, Native Americans more, um, uh, it's just brought my ancestry more to the forefront. And I would love to explore it more, but I don't want to do it on sort of um, a shallow level. Um, but um, yes, um, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what that will bring to my life. Thank you, Jerome. And I'm really looking forward to hear what your experience was like living, working, or going to school during the pandemic. So if you could yeah. just start in 2020 and, and tell us what happened from then until today. Yeah, um, so in 2020, um, uh, it was a lot. A lot was going on. Um, I had just finished, finished a television fellowship um, uh, and uh, I was also about 
to have a, a theater piece, um, actually two of them that I wrote the libretti for, um, uh, go up. So I was really looking forward to 2020. Um, and then March happened. And uh, instead of uh, focusing on career, um, uh, my parents, who had always lived in the project, were very, very looking forward to moving down south. Mm. And so I get a call one day because they are sort of signing papers and they're saying, hey, we got sick. We have COVID. And this is a very early on in March during those first cases. And I'm up here in New York and they're in North Carolina. Um, and uh, they say, we can't come up to move our house you'll have to move everything from our apartment and bring it down for us. Um, uh, that of course, it was a very stressful moment because not only am I away from my parents and I'm hearing about COVID, how it affects the elderly. Um, <clears throat> they're down South safe with my brother and my, my stepfather's um, children, but um, me not understanding what's going on and being away with them and having this large responsibility of making sure that their life not only gets transferred to North Carolina, but that there was a life to transfer um, these things too. Um, so that was just really, really scary. Um, so I, I got down to North Carolina um, and basically made some magic happen um, my mother was really, really, really sick. Uh, my father bounced back um, kind of quickly, um, but he still had some effects. Um, but my mother, she had all the horrible symptoms. And the year before, she had gone through seizures. Um, uh, and uh, the seizures are basically, in order to heal herself, she had to shut down her immune system and um, take these infusions. So hearing in 2020 that now she's in a new city, um, somewhere far away from me, um, dealing with basically a, a virus that if you don't have the immune system to, to fight it, you're kind of, you know, at least that was the, the story, you're kind of done. Um, so uh, I went into the, the fire pit and um, uh, I was there with my mother, making sure she ate, making sure that she was um, laying on her, on her, on her stomach um, to help with breathing, um, uh, making sure that she had Gatorade um, uh, to restore her energy um, because she wasn't drinking much. Um, but all those things, so I was there maybe for about a month and a half, um, taking care of my family um, sort of abandoning my life in New York. Um, and then sometime close to May, um, I hear that my aunt dies. And my aunt is sort of the elder sister. She's my mother's sister. And um, there were three of them. And the year before, the one of them died. And then my mother got sick and then my aunt dies. Um, so my mother finds this out during her recovery period, as I like to call it. So that was just a horrible day. Um, but my family, still to this day, at least my aunt's children, they don't want to blame COVID for my aunt's death. 
I do because I know she lived in the projects. She was over 70 years, 70 years old. Um, and it's, it's a point of regret that I have during that period um, that I wasn't more attentive to my aunt because I was so focused on my mother, making sure that her move could happen, making sure that she was alive when I got down there. Um, I feel like because I was one of the only people in New York with my aunt, that I should have somehow tried to fit my aunt into that schedule. Um, she tried to call me during COVID, um, especially during those days when I was packing up the apartment and I wouldn't pick up the phone because I thought that she was just calling um, to, so to chastise my mother for going to an event that she believes led to her getting COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, you know, aunts, you know, people in your family. Um, and uh, I thought it was something else. I didn't realize that she was reaching out to me because she was actually feeling sick. Um, she had been talking about death for a while, but we always pushed it off as, um, you know, something old people have to go through and express. Um, but she was really reaching out because uh, she was elderly and going through symptoms of COVID. Mm. And um, to hear the stories of when my family, uh, when her sort of children and her grandchildren went to rescue her from the projects in her last days, to hear the stories of how she was sort of out of her mind a little bit, um, uh, how she would slip in and out of reality sometimes. Um, it all rings to me of uh, sort of the elderly experience of going through what, of going through COVID. Um, but once again, and that's a, now it's a point of fraction between our, my family because um, my side really wants to acknowledge the fact that, you know, she was a victim of COVID-19 and, and the mess that it caused in a lot of our families, um, but they are not uh, accepting of even that possibility. Um, uh, yeah, so, so that was my, my big COVID experience on the negative side. Mm -hmm. um, the positive side though, Sonia, was that I felt a complete sense of freedom um, as I moved throughout the streets um, uh, throughout the world because everyone was stuck inside. And in a sense, I was forced from the beginning days of COVID to be outside. I had to go uh, and take care of this move. And then I had to travel down South um, with a caravan of stuff. Um, and uh, the roads were so empty, Sonia. I have never ever made that trip. And I made that trip like maybe two or three times up and down during those months. And it was the best. Yeah. And um, if there's anything I want back, it's um, uh, nobody being on the roads. Especially going <laughs> to uh, DC, Maryland. <laughs> oh my God. How do you get through that without like stopping for at least an hour? Uh, you don't, but, but during that time it was like zip, zip, zip and I was like this is how life should be but that makes no sense because I don't want people stuck in the house right um yeah and 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 on an artistic note um I don't think that I would ever have had um the guts to sort of do what I'm doing right now if it had not been for COVID and the time it gave me to reevaluate 
um, where I am, what I want. Um, I had been at a point where I was thinking about being a correction officer somewhere. Yeah, um, they make good uh, money. Yeah. They make great money, you know. It's something that's um, stable rather than this horrible industry that I'm in um, oh, where nothing yeah. really is it's a horrible industry. It makes no sense for if you want a stable life. Um, but um, I, during that time, I realized that the roads that I, I, I was carving for myself in those paths, that um, I need to be happy with the life that I choose um, to live. Um, life is short. I learned that. 100% during COVID, that life is short. Um, so basically during 2020, I used all my um, television pitching skills and I pitched myself an artistic residency at this um, theater called The Tank. Um, uh, and there I basically built an all black production that I directed, produced, um, uh, made happen of a show that I had been workshopping like in Seattle, New York. And I was like, let's see how this will work virtually. Mm -hmm. um, because I'd always been interested in the virtual hybrid space. And I love bl all black or all people of color, intentional building spaces and creative spaces. Mm -hmm. So I said, let me do this. Like all I have is time and creativity. And I know that this is what I will be doing for the rest of my life. So I might as well just do it. Um, so uh, that was really, really successful. Then that went up at um, the end of 2020 and then 2021. And now I'm a director, you know, I'm directing a whole bunch of musical different workshops um, virtually. Uh, yeah, this is, this has been a very fruitful sort of time. Um, yeah, and those two operas that I sort of just fell to the wayside because of COVID. Now they're going to be, they have been filmed um, uh, and made uh, pal palatable for the screen. And in the fall, they'll be on PBS All Arts um, on all, I, I believe all PBS platforms, but definitely. So I'll have um, two episodes, um, as we call it in this sort of operatic world, airing on PBS in the fall. Um, so it took time for that to happen, but I, I'm liking how it happened um, and that it's on film and rather on the stage. Uh, and then this summer, I'm going to be going to Detroit with an original musical of mine that I composed um, and wrote the book for. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, all that reflective time during COVID sort of... Um, gave me the strength to look at myself as a composer. I never, I wrote songs before, but I never said I was a composer because I'm not classically trained. Mm. <laughs> I can't go to the piano and just play you a song in that way, um, but I can write music. Um, I, I know how to write a melody and build chord progressions around that. Um, so I just said, yo, let me do this and not um, uh, be dependent on any kind of, uh, uh, any kind of educational sort of metric that you might put on what it means to be a composer. I'm going to write some music um, and whatever comes out of it comes out of it. And now this piece is traveling to Detroit. Uh, so yeah, there, there've been like COVID, it has been an interesting time. 
<laughs> wow, a lot of successes and some sadness. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been um it's been a roller coaster, but I think a lot of people feel that it wasn't all um a negative. Okay. Like there were some some treasure. There was there was some treasure to find, you know, in that darkness. Thank you. Oh, and I, I like to ask, like, did you go grocery shopping or did you order groceries? I did. I did a mix. I did a mix. And um, also because the South and the North were two totally different experiences. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, um, I definitely ordered out a lot more. But um, when you go to the South, it was kind of like, was there COVID happening? Um you know, so I would go to the grocery store. No one would be masked. Um, people would be out. It was it was just a whole. It was like two different worlds. Even though the South and the North sort of have that separation already, it was like really apparent um, during COVID. Wow. But yeah, I ate. I ate. I ate, Sonia. <laughs> any, any way I could. Thank you, Jerome. <laughs> oh, and I like to say how we know each other, and we know each other through Prep Nine. Yes. Well, went to boarding school. Which boarding school did you go to? I went to Child Rosemary Hall. That's right, with Lovey, who I also <laughs> interviewed. Yes, yes, with Lovey and Dante, who I hope you're, you're going to talk to as well. I yeah, Sonia, know. I've known Sonia, Sonia since we were, what, 13, 14? Yes, <laughs> 13. <laughs> Jerome. Was... Tell me about it, Sonia. I know. Like, I know. We've been the most time? of our lives. <laughs> unbelievable so this is a really nice reunion since we haven't all been able to get together it is it really is and i and i want to hear more of the podcasts um that you have done and that you're going to do um, thank uh, you yeah i'm getting close to 100 then i'll start reaching out to because i'd love for it to be a documentary series but i don't i don't have the the skill set to do that so now it's like i'm reaching out to get collaborators and Amen. Yeah. Amen. I'll tell you this, Sonia, as I'm reaching out to PBS All Arts for my own projects, not just projects I have collaborations with, um, I'll let you know what I find out in terms of anything. Yeah, uh, I'm open because, to Because, uh, yeah, yeah, we need to share some information. And if you find out anything, you know, let me know. Um, but this is the space that I'm in. Uh, you know, I would love to help out in any way that I can. Um, with this wonderful project, with this epic project. Hopefully, yeah, it'll be museums and then students in the future can hear what life is like for Black people and not just hear the narrative that Black people are dying because they had all these unhealthy eating habits, you know? Yeah. So negative. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're taking back our narrative, and I love that. I love that. Well, this is amazing. Thank you, Jerome. Thank you, Sonia. This is this has been great. Thank this you, has been great. I'll definitely be in touch. Thank you for listening to my conversation on this episode of Black America and COVID, an oral history project. If you enjoyed the episode, then please give it five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. The more five stars the podcast has, the more visible it is, the more access I have to people who would like to share their story living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you are a Black American and you would like to share your experience with me, 
then email me at soniakillaroo at gmail.com. The email is in the show notes of the podcast. Or direct message me through my Instagram account, Black America and COVID, all one word, all lowercase. If you are a non-Black American and you would like to memorialize the life of a Black American sadly lost during the COVID-19 pandemic, then email me as well. This episode was written, produced, and audio engineered by me, Sonia Jean Killebrew, podcast host and executive producer. Thanks for listening to my oral history project, Black America and COVID.